Hello again and welcome to another episode of Real Talk with RJ. If this is your first time listening, please don't forget to like and subscribe and follow depending on what platform you're using to listen to this show. And also, please don't forget to hit that notification bell if there is one so you know exactly when we release brand new episodes. Today we're going to be talking about more of a self-analysis question, if you will. What are you doing to unify the world? That's a really important question because you're, there's so many people out there right now who are, you know, fighting the good fight through Facebook, through texting, through Twitter, and through all these different social media platforms, but they're not changing anything. They're not doing anything other than texting a message that some people like, and then that's it. That stuff doesn't change laws. That stuff doesn't change people's opinions. That stuff doesn't change the world. All that is is just talk, 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 talk with no action. When the Million Man March happened uh, during uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's time, uh, time on Earth, people actually took to the streets and marched. They walked, they demonstrated, and then they also went to Congress. They went to the different leadership areas and pressured them to change these laws. That's one of the biggest reasons why so many uh, corrupt countries and corrupt leaders, they want to divide you. If you actually were to sit down and listen to politicians campaign for office, Go to every one of their their uh, their presentations, if you will, every one of their campaigns or every one of the rallies. Every time, if you were to listen to every every talk that they give, they'll have some things that are repetitive and then they're going to have some things that are completely different because they need to relate with their audience specifically. Now, there are massive uh, like major um, uh, public speakers, such as a man named Tony Robbins, who's a legendary public speaker man never he never changes who he is but his message always fits the audience what they need to hear his presentation fits what the not the audience needs to hear but he doesn't change who he is as though he's a completely different person in front of a specific audience politicians often do that by pandering which is like you know um doing whatever it takes to get to show them that you actually relate with them, that you're one of them, that you're you're no different, that you're equal, you're on the same playing field as those people you want to, to convey the message to. They don't really care about those individuals. They're just doing it for a vote because they want to win and get office. And once they get that office or that position, then they forget everybody else. And then they, they're like, I'm in charge. I'm running this. I'm going to do it my way. Rather than, hey, you guys wanted this. Let me help you get that. So... I said all all that to say that if you were to listen to every one of those rally speeches, you would see that virtually a different person is presented every time. You would see the same face, but a different person each time. Like, uh, for example, if the person is a very wealthy individual, more often than not, if they go to the uh, to urban areas where there's a lot of impoverished individuals, more often than not, they're not going to talk about how wealthy they are and how much money they have and how much money they've earned. They're not going to talk about that. They're going to try to say, oh, I come from a poor family and, you know, I was poor. I used to live in the back of a car. Uh, I lived in the back of a Honda. Uh, Oh my gosh, it was so hard. You know, I I was on food stamps and welfare and I went to a bad school and I got arrested four or five times. Then you actually look up their background. You're like, you never got arrested. You never even got a ticket. What are you talking about, dude? You've lived your entire life with a, with a silver spoon in your mouth. You've always been wealthy. What are you going to understand about being poor? Come on now. 
they do that because they want to get your vote they want to get your your uh, attention but the thing is is that they do that because they want you to believe that they're one of them that they're one of you excuse me but then the side effect of that also what they also want to do is they want to keep us divided rather than unify us together they want to keep us divided because they can manipulate fewer people more often than manipulating a large body of people because it's it's harder to manipulate a large body of people because there are so many different personalities backgrounds etc so it's hard to manipulate that many people like so many different aisles together you can't do it it's impossible but what you can do is go to a group of like-minded individual like-minded individuals understand what they want how they think what their values are and then pander to them and then you can actually manipulate them to do what it is you're trying to get them to do it's so much easier and politicians have become so keen and you know master about being able to use that technique to do that so they want us to believe this this delusion that we have no power that they have all the power but we've seen it time and time again that when people unite for a purpose that scares the politicians when all these people are united and the threat of them getting kicked out of office is real they will do whatever it takes to keep their office even if they don't they don't believe in it they don't agree with it they will do whatever the people tell them to do so that they can keep their office and keep that money keep the benefits keep the protection and keep the lifestyle that comes with that office they don't want you to know that they don't want you to believe that you power that you're powerful or that you have a voice so they do whatever it takes to keep you divided into small groups being divided and hated uh, and, uh, and opposed against each other because of race because of religious beliefs because of personality because of gender identities quote unquote because of anything else they want you to find things to divide on do you have any idea how strong you can be if you actually stop tweeting stop making all these little videos and stop making all these little small uh, uh texting arguments that have a certain amount of letters you're allowed to use or characters whatever do you have any idea how strong you could be if you were to unite people with the same values in congress if you were to have an entire rally of people standing outside of congress during one of their sessions and people from every every uh district or every area were to start going to their uh to their assembly leaders um uh, rallies or to their offices because remember these are public buildings you have the right to be there because when the what the taxpayers pay for are public areas those are public building buildings so you can go there you can actually force your politicians to start doing what it is you elected them to do and then they will be forced to do what you tell them to do and the world actually would increase and become a better place but because we're so divided against ourselves, we're not focused on the people who actually are trying to manipulate us. So let me ask you, and this question goes to myself as well. What have you done to make the world a better place? What could you do? It doesn't take a massive worldwide uh, action to, to change the world. You can change the world one smile at a time. By treating somebody as a human rather than the color of their skin you know by treating a person by the character rather than what they look like externally 
by reaching across the religious aisle, even though you have your, you, you see, you have your certain beliefs, you have your own beliefs, but you don't have, you, you, people forget that you don't need to have the same beliefs as somebody you serve with. Just think about it. Whether you are, and I'll use these two because it's a very common uh, uh, denominator. If you are a devil worshiper and another person is a Christian, you both want your kids to go to safe schools. You both don't want to have to be cheated out of your hard-earned money so that you pay unnecessarily, uh, unnecessarily high wages of gas. Everybody wants to not have to worry about getting robbed or burglarized or beat up or assaulted or, or kidnapped. Everybody wants that regardless of what God or, or entity you serve. So you don't need to have the same beliefs to make the world a better place. You guys want to live in peace? Cool, live in peace. Find ways to do that. One common way is to stop noticing first the color of a person's skin and notice the character. Notice the attributes of this person's walk, the attributes of this person's smile. Think about those things. Try to look at the good in a person. You see a need, feel a need. Why wait for somebody to ask you for help? You see an opportunity to help somebody, go help them. When you're around a group of individuals who happen to be making fun of somebody else or bullying somebody else, rather than walk in right behind them and do the same thing, why don't you defend that person who's getting bullied by telling them, hey, dude, you guys are better than that. Don't do not do that. We don't bully right here. That's, that's cowardly. That's really pathetic. It's really sad. You guys are so much better than that. Come on. Call them on it. Don't tolerate bullying. Don't tolerate mistreatment of other people just because they're smaller or just because of the fact that they look different or just because of the fact that their their English might be uh, uh, less less uh, articulated than yours. It's really hard for people to learn English. It's not easy. If you've been born or raised, people still like like think about it. For most of us in the in the in the uh, public school system, we often do bad when it comes in, in high school and in junior high school stuff, learning all the little English rules and the laws for English, we often score bad in these tests because there's laws and rules that we don't even follow in the English language. So we're expecting people who have spoken a certain way in a certain dialect or certain language their entire lives to learn a whole different set of laws later on in life. It's not easy. English is not an easy, easy language. And another thing too, like I get so tired of hearing people say, oh, you're in America, speak English, speak English. America's primary language is English. But guess what? America is a melting pot of so many different cultures and languages right now. So to, to, so to have the audacity to tell somebody you're in America, speak English, that's, that's really pathetic to yourself. Because we know that if we were to travel in any other country, majority of us would not go, okay, I need to go learn French because I'm going to go to Paris. I'm going to see the Louvre. I'm going to go see the Eiffel Tower and all this other stuff. I need to learn French. Most of us are not going to do that. Most of us that go from America to another country, we are going to look for a, a guide who speaks that language. And we're going to say, hi, excuse me, does anyone speak English? Does anyone speak English? Yeah, you, I'll pay you some money if you could just translate everything for me. That's a double standard and it's sad because, you know, most of us would do that. Most of us go to other countries and expect other people to cater to us because we're American. We feel so entitled. And the reason why is because we live in a country where we have so much power. We have a lot of power in the government too, although the government doesn't want us to know that. 
but we have power in businesses. A customer can walk right into a, a, a store or any establishment where the employees are not, if the employees are family, it's one thing. They're, they're not gonna have that, that power as well because the family's gonna always protect family, you know, or the owner's gonna protect his own business. But if you walk into a major chain or a popular uh, chain of franchises or whatnot, and you're a customer and you buy your coffee or whatever, and it doesn't come the way you want it, you can make a complaint, you can get that per you can get that employee in trouble, and it's possible that you can get that employee fired. If you have a problem, you can immediately get a response, a result. You can contact the boss, you can have the, the boss contact you, or the boss can come right there, the manager will talk with you and solve the problem, and you could probably get like a free item or, or you know, whatever you're asking for is on the house or there's a solution that's immediately going to be ready, uh, readily available. Another thing you can do if you feel really offended, you can contact corporate and corporate's going to be like, why are we getting a call about your store? I don't want to hear about calls from your store. You need to fix this, get this person fired or whatever it takes. So customers, one customer can make a big difference in somebody's pockets because that person, so we have so much power given to us. And as a result, we have such an entitlement that comes with all these privileges that we have. You know, you had when you get arrested, you have the right to remain silent. You all this other stuff like that, and you can even get money for being beat up if you if you file a, a lawsuit against the police department and they wrongfully abused you. Like we have, I mean, it's I'm not saying it's guaranteed you're going to get it every time because there are people that just don't know how to do this and don't know these channels and didn't have the proof to prove their case. But nonetheless, we have so many rights and privileges as as Americans that other people don't have. That's why when, when Americans often go to other countries, there are lots of, of uh, locals there in these other countries that don't like us because we're so entitled. And the majority of us in America don't know what it's like to truly be poor. I know that's a really difficult thing to understand because people are like, wait, what about the homeless in America? The homeless in America are like living the life compared to the homeless in India or the homeless in, in, in Russia. The homeless, because I, I have listeners out there in Russia. Life's not easy out there. I have listeners in Canada, in Germany, in Ireland, in Australia. I'm so thankful for every one of you guys who who pick up and listen to my show. Thank you so much. Because you, each one of you could be doing something different. But you're choosing to spend time with me. And for that, I'm very grateful. But that's one thing I just wanted to say. We are so blessed as Americans. And so often we're entitled. We feel entitled because of what we, the things we're blessed to have. So rather than focus on what we're blessed with, why don't we figure out how to share those blessings with other people? If you have a little bit of extra money, do something for someone else. If you have a little bit of extra time, do something for someone else. If you're depressed and you're sad, you're stuck in your own way, you're stuck frustrated, things aren't going your way, do something for somebody else. Because you will start seeing that in comparison to other people, you are far more blessed. When you're in this this mentality of woe is me, and you look at somebody else and you see how bad they have it and that they're not even complaining nearly as bad as you are, it might change your mind. It might make you start thinking, you know what, maybe I need to stop whining about this. Yeah, it sucks. You know, I can't play professional sports anymore, but guess what? I got to. It sucks. Yeah, I really, it, I really hate that I can't play baseball anymore, but I got to play Major League Baseball. I got to play a professional sport and get paid millions of dollars doing what I absolutely love doing. And there are millions of people who will never even see 
or ever step foot on a professional baseball field. Although so many try, but I was there. That person could say that. The quickest way out of depression is to serve somebody else. The quickest way out of racism is to education. Because racism is a response from ignorance. It's a result of ignorance. And the only way to cure ignorance is with education, correct education. So if one person of one skin color sees another person of another skin color, and person A persecutes person B because of their skin color, the only way to cure person A's ignorance is by person B educating them that they're not the stereotype person A believes them to be. I've known lots of Latinos in my life. And you know, I say Latinos as a as an umbrella term because there are so many different Latinos. You have Spanish, you have Mexican, you have Guatemalan, Ecuadorian. You have so many. There's lots of different uh, uh, cultures that fall under the Latino umbrella that speak Spanish. And some of them don't even speak Spanish. Some of them spend like indigenous, an indigenous language that uh, is very familiar to a few or select amount of people. But I've known so many, and because of the various stereotypes of people from my culture, they often shun away from us. They often shun away from, from me because they, they can see like, oh, he's a black guy, I'm, I'm not gonna deal with him. You know, I, he's one of those gangster guys or whatever. They have a misconception because of the color of my skin. And although I'm not Latino, I speak Spanish. So when I would speak Spanish with them, it opens their eyes and they're like, whoa, this is interesting. Where'd you learn Spanish from? Are you, are you Puerto Rican? Or are you Dominican or what, what's up? And I would tell them, no, I'm not Latino. And they would say, where'd you learn Spanish? And I said, I learned it from my friends growing up. And then through, those, through these interactions, they would be able to see that I'm not a stereotype. And little by little, they would start introducing me to their friends and their friends would start getting educated. If they had held that position once, they would start seeing, oh, not everybody's the same. We shouldn't judge a book by its color just by the color of their skin. The same thing with lots of, uh, I, I've had lots of white acquaintances who didn't really associate with blacks. But when they got to deal with me, things changed. They were very pleased to actually deal, uh, to deal with me because I wasn't a stereotype that they were associated, that they're used to uh, being associated with. So they opened their hearts. Yeah, I had to really overlook some things that were said in ignorance, these little racist terms, really racist things. But that's what patience does. Rather than keep dividing on people and staying away from people who want to live in ignorance, be patient. Because yes, that was one person, but the effects of that person are not just going to affect that one person. By curing racial ignorance with education, which requires patience and requires love and, and diligence and resilience and often some thick skin, that individual is no longer going to teach their children that racism is, is acceptable and correct. They will teach them not to judge a book by its cover. There's another man out there, I forget his name, but he befriended one of the top leaders of the Ku Klux Klan, which is a white supremacist racist group. Um, and two people that they really hate are Jews, blacks, and, or excuse me, 
three groups that they really hate are homosexual groups, um, black groups, and Jewish groups. They're, they're really they're really anti those three groups for the most part. But this uh, black individual was a reporter and he had wanted to ask questions and sit down. He didn't want to debate. He just wanted to sit down and ask questions. So after some time, the leader, this this leader of the Ku Klux Klan had agreed to sit down with them and they spoke with them. And he 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 spoke off of things that he, he was interested in and they had a dialogue. It didn't become a debate. He would not let it become a debate. Little by little, they became friends. And it's awkward. Yeah, that seems really awkward that, you know, why would a black man want to be friends with a Ku Klux Klan man? Because racism, once again, is the result of ignorance. And the only way to cure ignorance is with education, correct education. So with patience, he continued to be around this man. And little by little, other members of the Ku Klux Klan that were around this high-ranking individual started to accept this black reporter. They started to accept him and say, you know what? That's a good man. He's welcome here. He's We're going to protect him too. For all the other people that don't like him, you guys don't touch him. He's off limits. He's a good one. He's okay. Little by little, these things happen. And one day, that leader of the Ku Klux Klan called, like they, would, they started having dinner at each other's houses, by the way. They started, like their families started interacting with each other. And then one day, this leader called this black reporter over his house and he said i have something for you he's like what's that and he gave his robe his ceremonial robe he gave it to him and said i'm done you have opened my eyes to see something i never knew was there i never thought that black men were like us as well like there's no difference other than skin color but you showed me to look at the heart of a man rather than the color the color of the skin now that didn't happen overnight. That took that took quite a while for that to happen. But the fact is it happened. It happened to one of the most unlikely of hearts. So if you wanna change the world, you need to change your world by small choices, small interactions, because no person on earth interacts with just one person. Everybody interacts with thousands. You don't remember who you're going to interact with every day some people just a smile hey how you doing but the fact is you don't know how that person is going to receive that hey how you doing that person might have an entire lifestyle of walking past people of a certain color who have never acknowledged her but then you're a person who happens to be of that same color and she expects you to not acknowledge her just like all the other ones and then you walk up and go hey how you doing and then she looks at you and goes wow that was odd well, maybe, and then she starts to think, maybe they're not all the same. Maybe there's good people and bad people in every race. If there's, what, like, what I'm trying to say is if, if there's so many people out there who feel that racial prejudice and racial bigotry and all this racial division and religious division, if you are all out there and you really feel like that, stop ignoring it. Go do something about it. Go to these organizations and sit down with them, not to debate, but build a relationship with them. Now, I'm going to tell you, not everybody's going to want to do this. Not everyone's going to want to sit down and build a relationship with somebody. And then there's going to be people listening and say, I'm not about to sit down with a racist and build a relationship. All right, fine. We'll stop complaining about it. If you're not going to do anything to solve the problem, stop whining about it. Because it doesn't make you look good either. 
If you don't like the leadership of the country, stop whining about it. Go run for office or go get a petition out and start collecting signatures to get the individual recalled. Do your part to change what you don't like. It's so easy to whine, but it takes action to change laws. It takes action to change history. It takes action to change things to come. It takes action to change the path on which we are headed. So if you're not happy with the path, do something to change it. Be ready for the backlash, if there is gonna be some, and be ready to be tenacious because not everybody likes change. Sometimes change is a matter of who's who wants it more. If you really are against racism, show love. Educate people that racism is stupid without telling them you're stupid. Just show them that there's good and bad in every race. Help them see what they refuse to see on their own. If you don't like the dirty streets out there, you, you're, you're so irritated about how these streets look so dirty and how there's garbage everywhere, get a group of your friends, get some trash bags, go pick up the trash. Well, it's not my job. That's a, that's a city's job or that's the, the government's supposed to do that. Yeah, but they're not. And if you don't like it, pick up the trash yourself or go get a petition, collect signatures and get those leaders out of office. If you don't like something, rather than just sit there and tweet about it and complain about it, go do something, put pressure on the right people, and then make it happen. If you're willing to do the work, the results will come. That's just how it works. Holding a big sign in your hand and walking in front of an office doesn't do anything. We see like we see these hospitals out there sometimes where the nurses come out and they're like, nope, we're not working. It's not the picketing that works. The picketing and holding these signs outside and walking in front of a hospital, that does nothing to the hospital. The action of all these nurses that work for that hospital saying, I'm not going to work until you pay me a better wage or you give us better benefits. That action is the thing that works. Because now the hospitals are, are looking and saying, wow, the people that actually do all the work in this hospital are not working. And we can't just replace them because there's a whole union of people protected under this. So we better do something. They're, you're, they're uniting against us. And if we don't like, if we don't actually do what they're asking us to do, we're going to lose the hospital, we're going to lose the patients, we're going to lose everything. So we need to do something. But it's not the picketing, it's not the walking around and marching and screaming and shouting. They're having these little uh, uh, stylish and nice sounding um, uh, chants. That stuff does nothing. Hey, hey, ho, ho, we're here and we will not go. Like, nobody cares about that. That doesn't change laws, that does nothing. Walking down the street and yelling, oh, the police treated us bad, does nothing rioting and destroying your own neighborhood does nothing but cost you more money because that money will come from you you're going to pay taxes on something when you buy it you go buy gas or a drink or any groceries guess what there's going to be taxes added to that 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 are going to come from your pocket 
causing you to rebuild all the stuff you destroyed. But not only you, it's also forcing everybody else to do the exact same thing. If you have a problem with a police department, why are you that like, just think about the, how stupid that sounds. Like, oh, I'm so mad. The police department's beating our people up. I'm going to burn my house down. What? That's dumb. Why are you going to burn your own house down? If you got a problem with the police department, take it to the police department. I'm not saying burn the police department down, but what I'm saying is go put pressure on the chief of that department and then tell him, look, we elected you. And if you don't square this away, we're going to remove you from office. We're not going to let you continue to lead a department that acts stupid like this. You better fix it. You work for us. Don't you forget it. And if the police department is like, no, we're not going to do it. Then you put pressure on the mayor because the mayor is the one who empowers the police department. And if the mayor won't do it, then you start putting pressure on the mayor by putting pressure on the governor. You just got to apply pressure in the right places and changes will come to pass. But if all you do is walk around and yell and shout and vandalize and do stuff that has no change and impact, then stop complaining because you're not doing anything that's going to change the world. Shouting on, on a college campus does nothing. Learning how to fight in Congress, that's what changes. Learning how to fight with your le their local leaders by putting pressure on them and telling them either you do what we tell you to do and we what we hired you to do, or we're going to find someone else who will. That makes them work. So rather than complain, act. What are you going to do to unify the world? Thank you so much for spending time once again on Real Talk with RJ. Signing off.